Welcome to the Hoops Dramas Podcast. Adam Shalafu here with my man, Kurt Schroeder, all the way from Nevada. How is it out there, man? Uh, Reno's good. Uh, not too happy with the NBA landscape right now, but uh, I'm sure that we'll get to talking about that soon. You know, I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. I'm just going to I see that's going over my head, buddy. I have no idea what you're referencing. <laughs> it's a Johnny Cash reference. Okay. I'm not big on my Johnny Cash. Oh, yeah, yeah. Check I out apologize. Paul Prison. He's, I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. And you're like, damn, dude, that took a dark. When I was just a baby, my mama told me, son, always be a good boy. Don't ever play with guns. But I shot a man in Reno. Turn, didn't it? Right on. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> anyway, uh, first things first. I see a Wes Welker jersey in the background. So, how do you feel about the uh, before we talk about the other uh, East Coast Boston team? How do you feel about seeing Tom Brady get beat by the Bears as he's playing for the Buccaneers? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I mean, you know, when he's acting like he doesn't know what the down and distance is. First of all, I don't believe him, but. Uh, doesn't break my heart to see Tampa Bay not doing so hot. Um, yeah. I do know that, uh, you know, Bears fans, this might be the worst four and one team we've ever seen. But <laughs> at, at the same time, you know, four and one is four and one. So, yeah. uh, you know, you're that much closer to the playoffs. I think that uh, what the Bears should do is, you know, you got to play Trubisky till it gets hurt and then you get the real Nick Foles. You know, starter oh. Nick Foles isn't too great. But, you know, when you got backup Nick Foles, who's taken over in the playoffs where, you know, the guy can win you a Super Bowl. It's it's like he only performs under pressure, you know? Right. It's like that Baker Mayfield commercial. <laughs> they say he can only perform under pressure. But in reality, that is like Nick Foles. He'll be like bad, disappear from the league, <laughs> reemerge, Super Bowl MVP. Everyone goes yeah. wild. Gets another job. Sucks. <laughs> Gets a different job. Still sucks. Pressure. Yeah. You know, but, you know. With the game on the line. <laughs> they, they got it done. That's all you need. You know, ugly wins are better than good luck looking losses, I guess. Yeah, yeah. A win's a win, as they say. Uh, which kind of leads us into our, our next little category here. The Boston Celtics, who got a lot of wins this year. Not quite enough. So, we're, we're doing what I'm calling the closure series. And so, I don't know if it's going to be every NBA team or just the ones that uh, the Hoopsterdamus, basketball elders, you know, the powers that be deem appropriate. But we are going to get started with the Boston Celtics, who uh, lost in the Eastern Conference Finals. So super vague question to open it up for you, man. How do you feel as a Celtics fan? Uh, was this a success? Was it a failure? Somewhere in between? Thoughts on uh, the season as a whole in the bubble? I guess you could call it a little bit of a disappointment. I mean, they've been to the Eastern Conference Finals before with basically the same number of guys with less experience and less talent. You know, you've, you know, rewind, I think it was a couple of years ago when they took LeBron and the Cavs to Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals with Tatum in his first year, Jalen Brown was in his second year. Um, you know, they didn't have Kemba Walker. And so when you have something like this where I believe at the beginning of the season, the Miami Heat were 75 to 1 odds to win the NBA title, and they're a five seed. And, you know, they, they came in 
healthy into that series with the Celtics and the Celtics were also healthy um, to lose to the Miami Heat, I think was disappointing for sure. But at the same time, if you're one of four left in the bubble, that's not really something you can complain about either. I just hope right. that they build upon it. And, uh, you know, whether it's making it back to Eastern Conference Finals, I think that a lot of people thought that the teams that could make it to the NBA Finals out of the East this season were the Milwaukee Bucks for obvious reasons, and then yeah. the Boston Celtics uh, shortly um, kind of following suit there. But I don't know. I think that – and maybe this is just the inner Boston sports fan, but it, it's kind of championship or bust. The standards are always high. You know, we're yeah. never going to be happy with, oh, you know, how far did you get, you know. It's, it's one of those things where it's not really a successful season. You can't really be all that happy until you win a title. So it's, uh, the, the standard is a little bit higher, I want to say. So hopefully they make it back next year and maybe even farther. Yeah, I mean, 48 and 24, it's a hell of a win percentage. Uh, you know, that's 66% of your games, you know. Uh, they're kind of – an interesting build already, you know, they, they put up a fight against the Heat, and uh, in the bubble, the Heat just kind of totally caught me by surprise. Not Like, I knew they were a good team all year, but it seemed like when uh, play resumed, they seemed to allow Tyler Hero to play bigger minutes. Uh, those shooters, they have, they have so many shooters, and so much of the bubble – was it was like open gym ball you know what i mean like snipers are gonna snipe and so the heat had that kind of roster it, it seemed like the celtics had a lot of trouble with bam out of bio uh and so outside looking in i feel like maybe is there a concern with the way uh the front court is constructed as far as like stopping some of the beasts in the east whether that be joel Embiid, bam out of bio or running into and Anthony Davis uh, in the Western Conference, do you think they need to change the build there? Absolutely. I think that there are two points that we kind of need to address in the offseason. One is just you need more size. I mean, I love Daniel Tice's game, but he's six foot eight. You can't put him at the center position. I think that he's a good piece off the bench. Or if you mm -hmm. kind of want him to go with a little bit of a bigger lineup, maybe play him at the four, which is probably his true position. Um, as I mentioned, Daniel Tice, really versatile guy, not sure that he's going to be the starting big man on a team that is going to take you to the NBA Finals. And then they also had kind of an issue with depth uh, in small ball lineups. They were playing Grant Williams, who's six foot six at the five. And I think Grant Williams is a pretty solid player, obviously his first season this past year as a rookie. Yeah. But is he a guy that you play at the five? You know, Houston Rockets are playing a six foot six guy at the five. I, it's just, I don't necessarily think that it works in lineups where as you mentioned, there is a true elite big man across from you. And so one of the things that I definitely want them to address is just more size and athleticism in the front court. And then just overall the depth, they need more depth on their team. They were really exposed against uh, the Miami heat, not being able to go deep into their bench and kind of just having four guys come off the bench, but really only one or two of you of them was uh, giving you solid minutes. So they need to have, you know, a deeper roster and then just a more bigger athletic front court. And it's like they had depth in certain places, right? Uh, in, in particular, the wings, but it's just a strange situation. What do you consider? Is Jason Tatum, is he a small forward or is he a power forward? 
He's listed as a power forward, but I don't think that that is his true position. I think that he really is your traditional three. Yeah, same. Small forward, a guy. I think Jalen Brown also fits that same mold. I think Gordon yeah. Hayward is also that same mold. Right. I think that they have three guys that all play the same position, and I think that, you know, you can play all three of them if you want to go small and be a little bit more athletic, and I don't think that that's a problem. Um, but I'm just looking at the way that the roster is constructed. They're real thin in the front court at both the center position and the power forward position. If everyone tr- plays true to the positions that they're probably used to playing. Yeah. And then you look at the wing position. That's a very deep position for them. They have you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Grant Williams at six foot six. He might be in that kind of stretch four position. Um, but I think that he's a, a smaller guy as well. And then uh, Gordon Hayward, Romeo Langford, a guy that they took 14th overall. He's also a wing, but didn't play a ton of time in college because he got a thumb injury, didn't have a ton of time this year. Also, um, didn't play in the playoffs very much because he had another thumb injury. So it's, you know, they got a lot of depth and a lot of good skilled positions at the point guard position with uh, Kemba Walker and Marcus Smart. And I even like Brad Wanamaker's game. And then at the three, if you want to play everyone where they're supposed to be playing, but everywhere in between, I think that you could use a position upgrade at. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if they maybe try to bail on Hayward here, which is such a strange concept uh, just because I feel like him and Brad Stevens got to be super close. Uh, I mean, that's obviously why he even linked back up with Stevens, but I don't know. It seems like you could maybe flip one of these small forwards for a piece that is going to be a little more complimentary to Brown and Tatum, who I feel like have to be uh, your focal point to build around going forward. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that makes Gordon Hayward's contract so difficult is the fact that he's owed $34 million if he exercises his player option this upcoming Mm -hmm. season which if you're a Celtics fan, you want him to not opt into it and take a team-friendly deal and stay with the team because I think that he's still a very good player if he stays healthy. Um, But, you know, if you're Gordon Hayward and you look at the bank account, you know, if you're owed $34 million, why not opt in? So that's what makes it difficult for the Celtics is if they were to move him, that's a big contract. And I don't think a lot of teams want to take that on, especially with a guy who is so injury-prone. Yeah. You know, if you get a healthy Gordon Hayward for an entire season – I still don't think he's worth $34 million. Yeah. So it's just one of those things where back in 2017, when he was coming off a a great season and really a great run with the Utah Jazz, he deserved every penny that he got in that deal. And I think that he's underwhelmed, and I don't really think that that is his fault necessarily. I think it's just one of those things where he's caught the injury bug. Um, I would love for him to not take that option and then just kind of sign with a team-friendly deal because I think that he's a good piece to have and I don't think that they're going to get great value if they get rid of them. Um, at the same time, I think there are a couple options the Celtics can look at in the offseason to not only keep Gordon Hayward, but also not really put a dent in their pocket. Um, that would also improve the front court. I'm looking at a guy, unrestricted free agent out of Phoenix, Aaron Baines. Uh, you know, maybe he could come back on a pretty uh, cheap. Oh, he would be such a great fit for them. Right. And really allow them to have that kind of stretch five and still have a rim protector. And it seems like sometimes they have to choose between the two with their current construction. Yeah. And Aaron Baines, obviously not picking him because he's a Washington state guy. I just think that he is a guy that can really protect the rim, kind of do what Perkins did back in the day. He's going to be a guy Mm -hmm. plug up the lane. He's going to, you know, take contact, but he's not going to foul. 
And I think that that was one of the disappointments with Daniel Tice was he was so undersized and when he's battling for loose balls, a couple over the back calls, a couple kind of petty fouls where Aaron Baines, the big body, he's going to get in the way. And I think that if you can really protect the rim and really just body up on guys and not foul, I think that that is obviously key. And then I'm looking at another guy who's really underperformed for his whole career, but a college uh, teammate with Jason Tatum over at Duke, Harry Giles. Harry Giles is six He'd foot be a ten, great fit. and he's got you know a lot of athleticism. Can run the floor really well. He's really also, good passer too, which would fit so well with Stevens' ball. Right, six ten, six eleven. So I think that if you can get a seven footer in Baines and a six foot ten, six eleven guy in Giles, you know maybe not necessarily play them together on the floor, but play Harry at the four, play Baines at the five. Um, you know, spread out the minutes, maybe 20 a piece, get them for pretty cheap contracts. I think that those would be nice little upgrades that kind of fly under the radar. Yeah, and I feel like those are the kind of moves they got to make right now because you don't have to move the mountains right now. Uh, I mean, I think it's a matter of evaluating assets. How would you feel about this? Not that this would happen. I don't know if either team would be interested in something like this, but I know that it would kind of line up as far as the salaries go. Uh, so let's assume Blake Griffin is healthy, right? There is a traditional power forward, someone who's a good passer, someone who's a good slasher, uh, someone who's definitely turned into at least a serviceable three-point shooter. So if the Celtics were in a position where they could maybe flip Hayward and get, uh, get Blake Griffin and maybe another small asset, I don't think you can quite ask for Luke Kennard there, uh, but maybe a Langston Galloway. Uh, how would you feel about that? Just kind of trying to uh, flip Hayward to make the team's construction uh, make a little bit more sense? I think if you take that example, you have to look at what the picture is going to be. Are you trying to win next season? Because they, if they were to do that and the, and the money worked out, I think that a Blake Griffin rental for a year is not a bad idea. Beyond that, they would be completely screwed in terms of the salary cap because they owe Kemba Walker a ton of money. Jalen Brown just signed an extension that kicks in next season. Jason Tatum is going to get his, and he's at the end of his rookie deal at the end of, I believe it's this upcoming season. So he'll be owed a ton of money. So point. if you want to have Blake Griffin in there for a year and try to do everything that you possibly can to you know, win a title, I get it. Beyond that, I think that it would kind of strap him and put him in an uncomfortable position in terms of money because they would just be so top-heavy. And I don't know what Blake Griffin's current contract status is. I think that he's got a number of years left on his deal. Yeah, he's, uh, I think, a player option in 21-22, which I think he would ex- I would expect him to accept, considering that's almost $40 million, uh, really close to 39, uh, just under 39 mil. Next season, he's on the books for 36, whereas Hayward is on the books for 34. Uh, and so, yeah, it's going to be hard to find – trade partners uh but i do think that they should be aggressive here because shoot they they did make it that far right you know when you look at and it's so early we don't know what's going to happen uh the off season's going to be wild i think a lot of teams are going to kind of be cautious spending because they're going to be quite aware of who's going to be a free agent in 2021 uh that being said the Celtics should be a team trying to win now. You know, like who who are the best three teams in the East right now? The 
Celtics, the Heat, and the Bucks probably, and then like maybe a substantial drop off. Oh, absolutely. I think you got to uh, have to worry about the Brooklyn Nets. You know, if Kyrie and KD can come back healthy, if they're so still... going to kill each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, who knows how long that'll last? But yeah. uh, if KD is the same player, if Kyrie is still one of the most exciting players to watch, I think Brooklyn obviously um, ascends to kind of the top of the Eastern Conference. I don't necessarily have put them number one, but they could probably be a top three team. I think that really the balance of the Eastern Conference is kind of on the shoulders of Giannis. You know, if he stays yeah. and signs a max deal or super max with the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, then I think that the Bucks can definitely be a threat for a very long time if the team is constructed the way it is right now. Um, if he bounces to Golden State, then uh, oh, God. everything else kind of shifts in the East a little bit. In, in the world. <laughs> right. But, uh, no, I, I agree with you. I think the window for the Celtics is – not only right now, but I think next year, because they're, they're three top players. They're Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. They're not going anywhere, but they're owed a ton of money. And so it's one of those things where, you know, do you just keep the core together? And I think that they should, and I think that they will. And then you kind of just plug in cheaper assets around, you know, around that team, or do you blow it up? I've seen rumors that, hey, get rid of Kemba Walker because he didn't show up in the playoffs. And I wouldn't do that. But he, like I said, he's owed a ton of money, and that could free up some cap depending on if you find the right trade partner. There are another thing, uh, a couple other things that I wanted to throw your way as well, Adam. I'm looking at, you know, if you were to trade for uh, Mitchell Robinson, the center. Oh, talk about a great fit. Uh, you know, the Knicks do a lot of stupid things. Right. And so if you could fleece the Knicks for a, a really young guy who can play center and is on a relatively cheap deal, yeah. uh, I think that that would be a great fit, an athletic big. Another one that I saw that was kind of floating around there. Um, I don't personally like this one. I don't know how you feel being a Bulls fan, but Larry Markkinen does not want to play in Chicago. Get him. Take him. <laughs> yeah, I was say, but he's also a poor man's Brooke Lopez. So I just – I don't know if the Celtics would do something like that. I think that they definitely need to have, you know, focus in on – Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Kemba Walker. I think that those players are big-time players, and they can get you the production that they need. And then just find little role players around there that are on cheaper deals. But, you know, the Mitchell Robinson deal, I think that that could make a lot of sense for them as well. They're, they're also in an interesting position because I'm looking at their draft picks this year, and they're in a similar position that they were last year. where They have four draft picks in this draft. But because they're so ready to win right now, and they have so many young guys, I just don't think that you take a chance on drafting four players and trying to develop them. Right. They did the What's same thing last year with Lankford and Grant Williams and Carson Edwards and Tremont Waters. And it's just, these are decent players and maybe you can develop them, but you don't want to be, you know, having half of your team makeup on these really young, really unproven guys. So maybe uh, package a handful of picks, a uh, handful of young guys for kind of a bigger asset that also doesn't break the bank. And I, I think that Mitchell Robinson, trade idea just makes a ton of sense i don't know if the knicks would do it but you know no one can really predict the hell the knicks are doing yeah that's for damn sure uh we'll see it all depends on how much thibodeau likes him i suppose but in theory mitchell robinson solves they probably beat the heat in that series with him frankly I mean, great rim protector. Uh, obviously, in the league, you could yeah. argue, you know, like, but besides Gobert, like it's a short list. He might be number two. Like he's, uh, people don't talk about him because he's in, on the Knicks. But guys, on the bench, blocker. 
So, it, yeah, I was just looking at his stat line earlier today, and he's, he's a guy that comes off the bench, doesn't get a ton of minutes, but when you have, I believe it was 23 minutes on average that he played last year, you're getting two blocks a game. I'll take that production. Also led the league in, like, history field goal percentage this past season. It was like 75%. It was unbelievable. Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm seeing it right now. Uh, 74% from the field is not bad. And, uh, and that's uh, per 36 minutes, he had three blocks a game uh, on his career. He's only played two years. He's uh, 3.6 blocks per game per 36. So, I mean, you want to upgrade over Daniel Tice. He got a seven-footer with a seven-footer wingspan. They call him the Block Ness Monster. Mm, I <laughs> I've never seen that nickname. I'm on basketball reference. That's a gem. <laughs> Oh, man. I, I think that uh, if you can't get big seven-foot-five taco fall to run the floor for you, um, I think that making a move for Mitchell Robinson – and it's not going to blow anyone away, and I think that that's the type of deal that you can make. Um, you know, maybe the Knicks need a veteran presence and will take on Gordon Hayward. I have no idea. No one knows what the heck the Knicks are doing. Um, another thing that I wanted to throw in there, Ennis Cantor has a $5 million player option. I would love to see him back. I think that he also plays really well in limited minutes, gets you points, gets you offensive boards. I think that he'd be a good piece. Uh, complete defensive liability, but that's not what he's in for. Yeah, and he's gotten – it seemed like he got a little better on defense in the playoffs. Uh, still don't trust him. But <laughs> I guess uh, the, yes, the, the rest is to be determined. So now, now we have to go into the sad part of the show for you. Uh, you just watched – the Los Angeles Lakers tie it up at 17 apiece. We're talking championships, baby. Now, luckily for the Boston Celtics, uh, they won all theirs in Boston. The Los Angeles Lakers have the city of Minneapolis and uh, DePaul's very own George Mikan to thank for a lot of those early championships. So uh, Boston still has more titles than L.A., but the Lakers now have as many titles as the Celtics thoughts um <laughs> uh, i mean it just depends on what you value the celtics have only won one since 86 you know if you want to count after the 86 season and that came in 2008 so it's not like the celtics are winning championships regularly um you know a lot of those came in the 50s and the 60s so uh you know your your dad your grandpa like maybe they think a little bit more highly of uh what the celtics were able to accomplish early in terms of the number of rings it's uh you know, I, I could care less, to be honest with you. Um, but if you look at, uh, you know, the way that the Lakers are, are playing, obviously, just won a title. I think that the Lakers, you know, they might have a couple more titles in them. I think that they're obviously better constructed than the Celtics are at this point. So yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if the Lakers surpassed the Celtics in terms of total titles in the next, uh, you know, who knows how many years. Well, I mean, that whole uh, Anthony Davis, LeBron James thing is working out. A little bit. It's just got to be such an interesting situation as a Celtics fan because, you know, Rondo's an all-time great Celtic. And LeBron James is an all-time great Celtic rival, you know. And so I feel like there's already, you know, no, no love lost, as they say, between these two teams. But I feel like for a Celtics fan, this Lakers team seems even more hateable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean – you know, hey, Dwight the, Howard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, first of all, I'm I'm very happy for Dwight Howard. Uh, you know, let's just to be real here. The dude played on so many bad magic teams. And then when he was in the yes. finals 
with the Magic and had a, a pretty decent roster. I'm very happy that he was able to kind of resurrect his career and get a title out of it because I think he's definitely deserving. Um, in terms of the Lakers-Celtics rivalry, first of all, I'm glad it's kind of back. You know, yeah. there were a lot of times in those mid-2010s when neither team was all that great. So it's good to see, you know, both of those teams kind of rising to the occasion. Um, you know, the Celtics and the Lakers, I think, will always be rivals to a certain extent. And then you obviously put LeBron James on there, who is, you know, I don't want to say he's another Kobe, but he's another Kobe-level type dude. Um, you know, Lakers aren't going anywhere. It's L.A. I think that they're going to get a ton of pieces in the future. I don't think that they're ever going to be in a position where they miss the playoffs for however many years it was, seven straight years or whatever crazy yeah, I think number it ten, was. Even. Yeah, it's uh, Lakers are in a good position, too. And I, I think that they're always going to be in a better position just because I think going to Los Angeles is a little bit more desirable than going to Boston. Yeah. Weather's got to be a big factor as well there. Uh, interesting. All right. Well, uh, I think we've gotten through just about anything. Anything else you want to uh, touch on as far as Celtics Nation goes? Um, I think one of the things that I want to see this offseason as well is, you know, you have 17 guys on an NBA roster. I think that they could kind of trim the fat a little bit. Okay. Um, you know, looking at like Javante Green, who is a good athletic guy off the bench, but I don't think that he has much value moving forward. Uh, Vincent Poirier, I think is how you pronounce him, the big Frenchman, seven-footer, didn't get much burn this season. Uh, Shemi Ojale, my least favorite Celtic, <laughs> provides you absolutely nothing. Um, I think that he has to go. And then Traymond Waters, he's 5'10". I know that he won G League MVP this year, but, you know, at 5'10", how much can you really contribute down the road, especially in a loaded backcourt? Um, I kind of want him to I didn't make the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, if they were to just kind of trim the fat a little bit, not bring those guys back, free up some space on the roster. Um, like I said, maybe package, it, you know, some young guys together with picks or – just package more picks. I think that they need to just get better pieces and not have so many non-factors kind of just hanging around. Um, that's something I want to see them address. Just get more athletic, get bigger in the front court. I think another year under their belts is going to be obviously beneficial. Jason Tatum made a huge jump from year two to year yeah. three after not really making a jump from year one to year two, in my opinion. Uh, Jalen Brown continues to impress great outside shooter now, which is funny because when they drafted him, he wasn't a good shooter at all. So I think that he's a, you know, consistent there. Kemba Walker, I think just needs to play up to his potential and they'll be fine. I, I don't want to say bring everybody back and run it back. I think that they can tweak it a little bit, but I'm definitely not hitting the panic button right now. Yeah. You don't have to reinvent it. Uh, it is going to be interesting just seeing, what happens with all these forwards Jalen Brown who knows I mean I feel like he's due to make an all-star game it at some point here this could be the year fringe all-star player this past season I mean the Celtics at one point this year had and I think they were the only team I don't remember what the date was but it was three guys averaging 20 plus points a game and it was Brown Walker and Tatum so you know if you see that level of production or you even see improvement that's good to see um, Jalen Brown just a freak athlete you know, he obviously signed an extension. I think if you were also move Marcus Smart back to the bench, kind of bring him on in like a six-man role, I think that that would be beneficial. I don't think that Marcus Smart is ever going to be a starter. Could well, be a six-man of the year, though. 
yeah, when he's jacking up threes, I'm just like, I hold my breath every time. I'm like, there's no way you think you can make this. And, and sometimes it's all, sometimes it doesn't. It's yeah, he has gotten better, but he's definitely, you know, one of the best de- uh, defenders in the league, you know, without yeah. question. But uh, I think his offensive game is still something to be desired. I think he's he's got that Ron Artest energy, that crazy man energy. Like he's going to take every defensive possession personally. He's going to lock you up. Sometimes he's going to be okay on offense, but really you have him there. Uh, is it's weird calling a guard an enforcer, but he's an enforcer. <laughs> I mean, one of the best floppers in the league, too. Yeah, he's like so happy do. I don't know if you saw that quote by uh, what the heck's his name nowadays? Meta World Peace, Ron Artest, whatever. He was like, you know, don't discredit LeBron in this current era. I'm locking up anybody from like the 80s or 90s or whatever. Basically, Ron Artest is saying like, I'm an elite defender in any era. And LeBron played against me, and I'm like, you're so crazy. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Well, you know, we could do a whole show on Ron Artest, one of my favorites. <laughs> one of my favorites. Uh, go check out uh, his 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 rap track haters uh what is it matt lauer on nbc you look like a girl don't talk to me ask me about the riots and everyone hated me yeah something like that you know for sure stick to your day job ron (laughs) (laughs) anyway pleasure as always kurt we'll have to have you on again soon once the Celtics do make some moves. We'll see what happens in the offseason. But for now, happy hooping, man. Thanks for stopping by. For sure, Adam. Thanks for having me, please.